I want to get into a a new message here today, as you see from the bumper. It is called We Are Life Church. And my, my, my discussion, my topic of teaching has to do with the DNA of this house. All right? We have a uniqueness. We have something that is... Uh, uh, that is specific to our calling, what God has, wants us to do. If you are new with us today, it's a little different type of message than I normally bring. And one of my challenges is in this message is I have to cover a lot of information in little bits. I would, you know, my tendency in other subjects, like the last series I did, one subject, 10 weeks. Okay, this one, lots of subjects and a limited, just a handful of weeks. Okay, uh, but I want to talk about our DNA, what, what defines us, who we are. You know, every real church has a long list of similarities. You could go around our valley and you find that, that we have a lot of similarities with the, the, the real churches around here. We ought to because we're, we have the same Savior serve the same God and the same way to be saved. I mean, the basics of sin and God's mercy and Jesus' blood shed for us is a constant. You take those elements out, we can't even call ourselves church, or we shouldn't, right? Uh, and so those things are the same, and, and really what Jesus prayed, uh, and as recorded in John chapter 17, has, has manifest in this. He prayed that we would be one with the Father just as He is. And when you got saved, if you're a believer here, you've been born again, you've been made one with God. And so thank God for that's already done. That's true of all believers, no matter which local church they are a part of. And uh, uh, we should also recognize, though, that there is there uh, there are there are differences. There are unique elements to churches that God calls. Ours being the one I'm most familiar, familiar with. There's a unique calling and assignment upon this church to represent the Lord in a certain way. Like I said, much of that, there are staples, and it's true concerning all churches, or it should be. Uh, and then there are other parts that aren't necessarily exactly alike. Emphases are different for different places and different works of God. And, and so uh, we want to customize what we do according to God's call on us. And, and I'm convinced, and as many are, that, that this, this is a work of God. It is ordained by him. He wants us to be here. Yeah. Isn't that kind of cool? I'm a part of something that God had in mind. In God's master plan, he arranged some things, and I was blessed and privileged to hear his voice, to recognize the Spirit's leading and be a part of something that he is doing. And I know this, that if... if any given church has a unique ministry, um, something that they're doing that we are not doing. Um, we are neither envious of them nor critical of them. We just say, go get them. And uh, you do what God wants you to do. Likewise, there are some uniquenesses. Uniquenesses? Oh, good, that's a word. Okay. I got confirmation. Uh, uh, to us, things that we emphasize, things that we are doing, and we are supposed to do them. All right. Uh, there are, in, in, in the scriptures, uh, many words used to describe the church. 
okay? Different metaphors that help us understand uh, what we are, who we are, what God envisioned for us. Many of these, uh, I imagine you are, some of you at least, probably a large number of you are familiar with. We are called, for example, the body of Christ, right? We are the church. We are the body of Christ. Shows the function, how we work together, and, and, and some other uh, things there. We're also called a flock, right? He is our good shepherd. We are the sheep of his pasture. The scriptures refer to us as a field. Yeah, we're a field. Or other translations say we're a garden, okay? We are called a family, the family of God, right? We're also referred to as God's building, yeah? And, and other passages say that we are the house of God, Okay, so lots of different imagery there that we can uh, glean from to understand a spiritual or invisible component that ties us together and, and, and makes us a part of God's plan. I don't know about you, but uh, I, I'm, I appreciate variation in houses. I'm talking literal houses that you may live in. Uh, I like that they're not all the same shape, the same color, the same uh, size, the same yard. You know, uh, there's differences. There's uniqueness depending on what people want, what they can afford, what their, how many kids they have, that, that kind of stuff uh, all plays into it, into the design. There's core elements like a foundation and walls and roof and some of those things. And then, then there's uh, other parts that are very different, one house to the next and decor you know varies greatly based on trends and based on preferences um uh, in in a in, in a local church there's some similarities here as well uh, i remember uh, uh several years back i was visiting um i was in southern california and i so i called an old friend that i don't see too much and then i had not been to his house uh where he was living and i was in the next city over i said hey i want to you know come by and say hi and come, come visit. So he gave me directions to his house and then began to uh, describe his house to me. He said, it's this color and, and, and give me some things so I would recognize it when I drove up, okay? And then I did. I followed the instructions and I got on his street trying to pull up to his house and I wanted to laugh because he gave me the color of his house. Say, so why is that funny? Because every house on the street was the same color. <laughs> and I got to thinking, is he messing with me? I don't think he was. He just just describing his house and thinking that would help. <laughs> it was like, these look the exact same. Every single house looks the same. And... Uh, Anyway, maybe you live in that neighborhood too, and that's fine, and that's good. Uh, <laughs> but I, you know, there are it, it, most of us appreciate when things are different, and there are some uniquenesses to uh, uh, to our our homes and, and and so forth. When we come and talk to you today, what I'm sharing with you is more about uniqueness. There's crossover, of course, to all the body of Christ and all these principles, but I want to begin to share with you about values today, all right? And my, my goal in this, it has been over the last couple of years, I've worked with various members of my staff to really develop and come up with and identify this list. And because what happens is we start off with like 50, and how many know that'd be a long series? Uh, <laughs> 
And you can do that. You can say, this is important, this is important, this is important. And you could, you could have a huge list, and they all be biblical. And so one of the great um, efforts in regards to that is to reduce and say, the, this small number of things, this is what really kind of puts your finger on the point and says, this is what defines us. This is what we truly value. And, and because of these values, we can move ahead and make decisions based upon them. We can decide what we're going to do, not what we're going to do, uh, how we're going to conduct ministry and, and, and so forth. And so we have identified these values. I want to share just a few of them with you today. I've got seven in this list. I want to get to three of them. And by the way, be in faith with me about this because each one is a series. And I only get like 10 minutes, all right? And so I've got to say the right thing the right way in the right timing. But again, like I said, these things drive our ministry decisions. And so they're very, very important to this house. Everybody ready for these today? All right. The first one is we value reverence for the holy. We reverence the holy. When we can identify something as being holy, we are going to hold that in high esteem. We're going to say uh, lesser matters are not going to override them, not going to displace them. We are not going to treat them in a light way. We are going to hold them up as being of God. Everybody with me now? Okay. If something is from him, we reverence it as holy. Now, just by saying that, understand the premise is that not everything is the same. We do not think about everything. We do, we do not look at all matters, all issues as being equal with one another. Okay. Like it has been said, if, if everything is holy, then nothing is. And what one of the dangers is, is to make all things equal. Okay, everything's the same, gets the same attention, the same importance, the same value. And like any subject could be brought up and we're going to give it the same amount of time and attention and money. And no, 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 that is, that's, that's dangerous because what we're doing is we're saying, uh, even though the Lord may put his finger on something, we're going to elevate everything else and say, well, we're going to treat that the same. Okay. And that, that is not something we want to do. All right. Let me give you a few scriptures on this point. And by the way, I've screened all these scriptures just because I don't have a text for the series. All right. You know, screened is a word. It's the, the act of putting something on a screen. It sounds like it goes in a dictionary. Huh? Screened. Okay. So you can look at them in your Bibles if you want. I'll also put them on the screen today. Romans chapter 13 and verse 7 reads this way, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, everybody say, ooh, <laughs> custom to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. I want you to notice the principle here that not everything is due to everybody equally. All right, there is a, an identification in this that this custom, this fear, this honor is due to this one, and that distinguishes them from someone else. 
Yeah. To paint everything as being equal or the same or of the same value would be wrong. But to identify this is important, more important than something else is very wise. This is how the Lord thinks. Okay. Now understand what I'm saying here. I'm not talking about treating one another with partiality. James chapter 2, uh, where he talked about how they were, they'd find someone who was rich and they'd give them, you know, a, a better seat, and someone who was poor and they'd give them a lesser seat, and he really got on them about to say, you don't do that. That's not what we're, what we're talking about. How many know in Christ, male, female, bond, free? <laughs> you know, how many know in Christ, we all have the same access to the throne of God? I mean, one person, it doesn't matter where you come from or how long you've been saved. If, you, if you're in the family of God, you have equal access to the blood of Jesus, the promises of God, the Holy Spirit, the gifts, the, everything, equal access there. Okay, we understand that, that equality in, on, on that level. But then there are other parts of what God is doing in individuals' lives and in a local church where there, there is some distinction. There is some stink, distinction in different verses. There are parts that Jesus, parts of the law that Jesus called weightier than others some carry more weight some are more important yeah and so whenever the lord says this then we say this when he said look here we look here when he says elevate this i mean i could use examples well let me read another verse to you and uh, and then i'll then i'll do that matthew 7 and verse 6 Jesus said here, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and, and tear you in pieces. Okay, okay. so why, why don't we give holy things to dogs? Uh, because dogs do not know the difference. Okay, they don't appreciate something that's holy. They're not able to discern, to distinguish between holy and unholy, holy or common, right? Uh, it's, just all the, it's just all the same, all right? You're not going to put a, a, an expensive jewel in a pig's nose. That pig doesn't appreciate the pearl, right? So you don't do that, and, and it doesn't recognize value. We are not supposed to be like dogs or pigs, okay, in many ways. But one way is this we do recognize the difference between holy and not. We do recognize value in a pearl versus a piece of gravel. Yeah, we know the difference. And because we know the difference, he, he's saying treat holy things as holy. Keep them in the special place, a special category in your life. You can find in the word of God the different elements are referred to by God as that. For example, in the, he wrote in the Old Covenant, he said the tithe is holy. The tithe is holy to the Lord. Well, what does that mean? Well, if a tithe is a tenth, that basically says to me, my tenth is not like my 90, my 90%. I cannot treat them the same. Okay, I cannot, I cannot take my tithe and buy shoes with it. Because that would, that, that would be making it common. That would be treating it like everything else, the rest of my money. And when we find out that the Lord identifies certain parts of our lives and says, this, special significance. This, unique to my plan. This, something I've put my, my stamp on. Then we also identify, not going to be like a dog, not going to be like a pig, not going to just treat everything the same, not just going to wander around, you know, without any discernment whatsoever. But I say, no, this is holy. This is holy. This is not. 
Everybody with me? You know, uh, I would consider this gathering holy. I would consider our time together as, as being a holy thing. I've always, I've always been that way. In, the, in this sense, some of this I got from my parents, which I appreciate that. Even though growing up, my growing up years, we weren't always in great churches. Uh, but uh, one thing I've never struggled with from the time I was, you know, 18 and making my own decisions and that type of thing, I never struggled with going to church. I always went, and thing is, I always wanted to. And, 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 and one of the reasons for that was my personal relationship with God. But other than that, it was modeled for me. I, I do not remember one time in all of my growing up years, not one time where on a Saturday or a Sunday morning, there was a discussion about whether we were going to church that week. Not once. I was spared from thinking that the gathering of God's people is optional. I've never had to wrestle with that. Now, some of you may. You may treat a time like this as optional, as unholy. You know, you got lake, <laughs> church, chores at home, mow the lawn. You, know, you got all these things going on, and you say, hmm, yeah, let's go to church this week. Say, I'm not struggling with that. And, 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 and I recognize to God, something like this is a holy thing. Yeah. And, and it's evidenced when he, when he manifests and shows his, puts his stamp of approval on a gathering and his spirit moves and people get healed, people get touched, people get saved, life answers come, victories are won, marriages are restored. You know something about a gathering uh, of the people of God is holy to him. Yeah, and so I could, we could uh, name other, uh, other examples of that, but there should be a clear distinction in our own minds. We recognize this is a God thing. Can you identify? Uh, again, what's the opposite? Woof. <laughs> That's not how we're supposed to think. No. Elevate. Oh, I see the difference. This is a holy thing. This is not a holy thing. This is something that never moves in my life. This is something that's flexible. This is something that's changeable. You might remember the, the great vision that Peter had with the, uh, in Acts chapter 10 with the sheet and the animals, and the Lord told him, is giving him a revelation about the Gentiles being uh, acceptable in, the, in, in, in receiving the gospel and being saved. And, and the Lord told Peter in that vision, Acts 10, 15, he said, what God has cleansed, you must not call common. So when God, puts it, when God says something about someone, something, and he says they're cleansed, you could say they're holy. Don't call them unholy. Don't call them dirty. Don't call them insignificant. Don't treat them lightly like they're pushed aside. No, the Lord says, this is of me. Now you see them that way. Yeah. And so that's the process that we are in. We always want to uh, identify and hold up what is most important to God. Okay. Can you do that? In your, can you identify Okay, maybe I can't find them all, but I can, yep, this is God. This thing is holy right here. This is holy. Okay, it's not everything, but you ought to be able to put your finger on a few items right away. If you're a Christian, you ought to be able to identify this. Even if you're not a Christian yet, you probably still could. You could probably say, oh, yeah, I see that. There are some things that to God, that's really important. That is really, really holy. So I want to identify it. We want to do that in our church. It's, what's, it's what, one of the things we value. We find what's of God, what's most important to him, and we lift that up. You see, not every idea is a God idea. 
some ideas are just good ideas. Oh yeah, that's a great idea. Appreciate that. But this is what the Lord said. There should be a distinction. I have lots of ideas. Do you? Some of them are good. And then some of them are God. And knowing the difference determines what I'm supposed to actually do. If I could, if I could boil it down to these three things, we are to reverence God's plan. We are to reverence God's people. And we are to reverence God's presence. And if I can identify what is of him, then I know what to do. You might even recall one day when Jesus was ministering and they came to him, it was a packed house, and people came to him, they said, your mom's outside and your brothers are outside. And Jesus took the opportunity to say, this is my family right here. These are my brothers, my mother. He said, those who hear and do the will of God, that, that, that's family to me. See, can we learn something there? Is that a disregard for natural family? Of course not. There's respect and honor that should be shown there. But does it elevate something else? It elevates and says, I'm, I'm with family here today. I'm with brothers or sisters, and this relationship is eternal. This should mean something to me. This is valuable. This is important. Praise God. Praise God. Let's go to number two. <laughs> Can you see how that's a series? Yeah. <laughs> number two. Here's the second value. Is we value this so much. Being spirit-filled and spirit-led. This is something that drives us. This is something we hold this in high esteem, being spirit-filled and spirit-led. Uh, we recognize the need for all believers to be filled with the Spirit and then to be led by Him. All right? I could say it this way. If you're not filled with the Spirit, you're filled with something else. There's a lot of dangerous things to be filled with. You can be saved, but still not live full of the Spirit. You know, first of all, Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 says, They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Day of Pentecost, that's the outpouring, initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were all filled. That's our same value today, that everybody should be filled. Amen. I've been, I was filled with the Spirit many years ago and speak in tongues every day of my life, and I consider that of high value, high importance. I cannot fully live for Him and fully fulfill His plan for my life unless I'm filled with the Spirit. You will never reach your full, full potential in life if you do not receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Amen. First, of course, you have to be saved, but then there is an outpouring. There is a baptism. There is an, an, an infilling that is available to you. But even for the, for the saved and, quote, spirit-filled believer, there, there is needed practice to stay full. Paul wrote to the Ephesians. They were a spirit-filled church. Acts chapter 19 shows when the first group got filled there. They were a spirit-filled church. And he told them in verse 18, do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So you can see it's not just a one-time event. There's the initial outpouring, the initial filling, and there's an ongoing practice. I can, we consider it, I do, we do, our staff, our church, this is of high value to live full of the Spirit. Yeah. Amen. People are getting full of all kinds of things. One of them is right there. Don't be drunk with wine. In other words, don't be full of that. Be full of this. Yeah. Come on. I mean, why do people get drunk with wine? 
Well, one reason is because life is hard. And they want to break. And they want to feel good. And they don't want to deal with their constant struggle and pain. So let's get rid of it for a few hours. Right? That's the world's way. He said in the, in the church. No, 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 you be full of the Spirit. You get filled up, up with him. And you stay full. You get filled up every single day and you live a Spirit-filled life. I'm not going to be a good pastor if I don't stay full of the Spirit. If I'm not preaching to you from the overflow of my walk with God, if I'm not dealing with life out of the abundance of his spirit in my life, I'm going to come up short. Everybody okay today? If you show me a backslidden Christian, I will show you an empty Christian. Spirit-filled, legitimately, not just in name or title, but in practice, spirit-filled Christians do not backslide. They're hardly even tempted to do that, if at all. You catch someone when they're drained. You catch someone when they haven't spent much time with God or in church or the Word or doing the things of God for a while. They can be tempted. Why? Because the things of the world can seem enticing to them, appealing. Actually, there's an appetite there. But you get full of the Spirit. (laughs) Uh, Why would I leave the Lord? Why would I put something else first in my life? Hey, man. There are times we get together, and, and uh, sometimes in services like this, sometimes in our believers' meetings, it's one of the reasons we have that, that believers' meeting on Wednesday nights. It's one of the unique things to our church and what makes us go. But uh, sometimes we, have, we get ministered to by the Lord in such a dramatic way that we really don't care about anything else. I mean, everything else in your life could be falling apart, but in the moment, (laughs) who cares? I mean, God's on me. I mean, he fills my life. Nothing else really matters. I tell you, I love that. I love to not care about anything. (laughs) Not a worry, not a concern, but what about this? But what about your money thing? What about your health thing going on? You got that problem in your marriage? I don't. I don't. I'm full of the Spirit of God. Everything's going to be fine. Yeah. You almost act like a drunk person. I know, but this is way better. <laughs> this has no side effects. Yeah. I don't get in a fight as a result of this. I'm not going to wreck my car. Yeah. I'm not going to wake up in, with a headache or whatever. You know? I'm going to wake up with a smile saying, saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I think this is the only way to live, but this is something we value here, that we would be spirit-filled and spirit-led. Spirit-led, Romans 8, 14. That's another series. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. When you get filled with the Spirit and then determine, I'm going to be led by the Spirit. I'm not going to make... uh, Moves. I'm not going to make decisions based on, you know, vote or consensus or what everyone wants. Well, pastor, everyone wants you to do this. Everyone wants you to preach on this. Okay. That's not one of our values, though, what everyone wants. Here's our value. What is he leading us to do? What does he say? If the Lord is leading us. We value that. So I don't even need to pray about that right now. I'm just going to be led by the Spirit. Everybody with me? A thousand things you can be full of. 
<laughs> thousand things you can be led by, but we value being full of him and being led by him. We pray until we know what he wants us to do. And then when you know what he wants you to do, you follow that. Isn't it amazing how many people make decisions even about church? The Lord leads them in, and then offense leads them out. The Lord brings them to it, and then something else happens in their life, and they take themselves out of God's will. It's like, your values are messed up. Value the leading of the Spirit. There are quite a few things around here we do. Uh, and the only reason we do them is because the Lord led us to do them. Yeah. We have healings take place every single week with our healing teams after service. You know why? Aside from their acting on the word and doing what is promised there, is the Lord led me to train a group of people who would work in groups of two. We call them teams, healing teams. He led me to do that. So it's always going to produce results. He said, he said to me to have the Bible college. So we do that. And it grows all the time, and it's blessed, and it produces great fruit. Why? I'm not saying everyone should do that. I don't think everyone's supposed to do that. I don't think every church should do that. I just know we're supposed to do it. You understand what I'm talking about? Being spirit-filled and spirit-led produces great results. Amen. And let me give you the last one. Hallelujah. We value being steadfast in faith. Steadfast in faith. This means that no matter what happens, what happens to us, no, mo no matter what lack of foresight even we may have, we are going, excuse me, we are going to believe God when we don't, even when we don't know what to do. Well, you've got a problem that's too big, what are you going to do? Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you this. I'm going to believe God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about, okay, the, what about what's going on in the world? What about all this, you know, virus stuff? What are you going to do? Well, we're going to do whatever he leads us to do. That's another one of our values. But i tell you this, we're going to believe God. We're not going to worry about it. We're not going to be in fear. We're not going to make decisions based upon that. We are going to believe God. Yes. When someone comes to us and they say, well, I just lost my job. Or I have this financial thing, or my, my marriage, or any number of problems, or a physical, you know, condition, diagnosis of something really serious. And they say, I don't know what to do. I say, I know what you're going to do. You are going to believe God. We believe his word, his promise. We are going to take him up on what he said. We are not going to do this alone. We are not going to try to just survive in this world. We are going to believe God, what he said is going to happen. Come on. Amen. Amen. That's why we always smile. Hopefully, we always smile. We're supposed to. Why? Because faith smiles. When you're steadfast in faith, you're not tossed by every wind. You're not moved by every circumstance. Not every evil report comes out of your mouth. But this regularly comes out. We're going to believe God. Amen. Well, what are we going to do? We got problems with the building. Well, we're going to believe God. He's going to show us what to do. We're gonna, what are we going to do about, you know, the next place? We've got land we need, and we've got buildings. We need money for, to do it. What are we going to do? We're going to believe God. Well, where's the money going to come from? I don't know. God? I mean, I don't know the certain channel. I just know we're going to be in faith. Yeah. I mean, no, when you get in faith about something, you're, you can never speak negative. You can never complain. 
There goes my, there goes your, there goes half my conversation. <laughs> when you're believing God for your family and your spouse and your relationship or your kids, how many know you can't complain about them anymore? You can't. What are you going to do? Your husband's a jerk. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to believe God that he's working, working in him and working in me, you know, if you're the wife. I'm going to believe God no matter what comes. Uh, Paul, uh, let me give you this verse. Hebrews 10, 38. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. Okay, if you're just, that's a saved person, the justified ones, what do we do? We live by faith. What do we not do? Draw back. So living by faith stays going forward. Living not in faith, you draw back, you quit. Never gonna quit. Never gonna give up. Amen. Someone asked me years ago when I was teaching on healing, not recently, but years ago, they said, they heard me be so positive and so absolute and so dogmatic about it. They said, well, what are you, you going to do if someone doesn't get healed? I said, we're not going to give up. Oh. <laughs> they, it never crossed their mind. Oh, okay. So it's not like instantly all are done and if you don't see it instantly, it's, it's game over? <laughs> Absolutely not. Now we're not going to give up. We're going to believe God. Yes. Period. Paul was in a great storm, an impossible situation. In Acts 27, verse 25, he, he said, Take heart, therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it was told me. In his situation, it was gloom and doom and despair and agony on him. They were cold and hungry and looked like there was no hope of survival, but he had a word from God. And when people said, what are we going to do? He said, smile. <laughs> Take heart. King James, be of good cheer. Come on, you guys. Smile. Yeah, but I'm starving and cold and about to die. No, you're not. Well, maybe some of that, but <laughs> we're coming out. And I believe, God, it'll be just as it was told me. Maybe you have, a, have, have had a, a bleak future painted for you by someone else or a real situation. What has the Lord said? What, is, what, what promise can you say? Then you, say, you can find one related to your situation, and you can. Even if you haven't, you can. It's there. You can say the same thing. I believe, God. Why are you smiling? Everything fell apart. I heard you have a rusted. Yeah, but I believe, God. I believe God, it shall be just as it was told me. This will change. This circumstance will turn around. I'm coming up and I'm coming out. Amen. Now, when we say that these are our values, these govern our, our, our decision making, these are the words that we live by, um, how many know there is no we without you? Say it out loud. There is no we, is no we without, me. without me. Yeah. It's very impossible, very possible that you have some personal values that you live by. I'm not trying to take them away from you. I'm saying as the body of Christ, as a local church, there are some things that we value. 
and we are we are saying uh, that this is holy. We are saying I'm going to be filled with the Spirit and live and be led by the Spirit. We are saying I will never quit. I will believe God no matter what happens. When we are saying that together, I tell you we're going the same place at the same time. And this is not just about me or not just about a select group of people. When we come together and say, yeah, these things are important to us. We believe this is God. We believe this is for our house. We are going to have these values in our lives, in what we do. Amen. When someone moves from talking about your church and you guys and what you do, and they start talking about my church and, and me, my family, yeah? And when they talk, start talking about us, I know there's been a switch inside, all right? You may be here today, and it's totally you guys and so forth. I, I get that. But when we follow the Lord and he connects us to a place of his choosing, we must connect, really connect. I, I'm not interested in long-term attenders, long-term visitors. I'm looking for a house that he is building. It's not a physical structure. It is a spiritual house of God. It is something where he puts this brick into place and this brick and slaps some mortar in there, puts them together, and he constructs a wall. He constructs a spiritual house, and people start viewing themselves that way. I'm a part of this house. I'm a part of what God is doing here. This is the, and these are the things that we hold in high esteem. Amen. In that, we can do great things for God. Let me give you one more verse. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise God. Say it out loud with me. Say, I will. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. My labor is not in vain. Amen. Amen. Father, thank you for working in us today. Thank you. We are the blood-bought church. We are the redeemed of the Lord. We.